Hello, I'm Donna Brendel, the host of I Should Say That Out Loud. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is season two, episode four. And today I'm talking about how did other people respond to my autism diagnosis. Over the years, I've had many mixed reactions. Some kind of are lumped together in categories and are common responses. Some are kind of a mixed response. So I just wanted to share how people have responded and how I respond to their response. <laughs> There's four general categories of responses, I will say. I don't like using some of these words, but the first category is ignorance. The second category is loving and supportive, which I love. The third category is acceptance, someone who knows me well, and it makes sense to them, and it really doesn't even matter because they are just great people and great friends, and they accept me as I am. And the fourth category is abusive, which is the worst, obviously. Um, and we'll talk more about each of these categories in a minute. And then the final category is a mixture. It's a mixture of understanding and acceptance, but with a caveat of, well, it's not that bad for you. And I'll talk about that in a, in a minute as well. So let's go back to the beginning. The first category of response that I've had is one of ignorance. So people have a lot of ideas that they think are autism. They're just stereotypes and myths and misconceptions, things that movies have portrayed that may or may not be true or just might be part of the truth. And they're Hollywood glamorized and don't really portray a true picture of what autism really is. So a friend in this category shared with me that she didn't think I was autistic and she's been following my social media and my posts over the last few years and she was really bothered that I was sharing that I have been diagnosed with autism and she pretty much begged me to stop saying that I am autistic. She said, you're, you're, you're not, Donna, why do you keep saying that you are? You're just, you're so with it. And while I appreciate her <laughs> saying that, she doesn't think I'm autistic and she thinks that I'm with it. She just doesn't understand what autism is. And also uh, part of autism is masking so that we blend in with, uh, with the neurotypical brain of those around us. So I'm, I mask a lot. I've always masked even before I knew that I was autis autistic, even before I knew what masking was. It's just a natural thing that we do to fit in. Um, with the people around us. So I guess I'm really good at masking. <laughs> um, and I also shared in the, the first episode that I'm really good at keeping busy and just doing things in an environment to serve uh, the people that are around me, to serve the situation that I'm in. And it it's a really good mechanism for masking because people see that I'm busy, I'm doing things, and I'm I can get things done and they don't see any deficit there. They don't see any struggle with the social interaction because I'm avoiding the social interaction with the service, with the activity, with the, the cleaning, the preparation, the um, getting things done and making things happen in the different situations that I've been in. So it's, I've done a good job of hiding my struggles, my social struggles, especially. And it's for her to, to say those things is kind of a compliment that 
I've been hiding it really well, but now as I'm sharing my diagnosis and trying to unmask and be my authentic self, it will be more apparent. And I think it's more apparent to people that know me better as well, because this friend, I've known her for a super long time, but we've had a lot of big gaps in between the time that we spent together over the years. So she hasn't seen the growth pattern in me and the change in me and the unmasking of me over these most recent years. So that's from the category of ignorance. I really don't like that word. It sounds like I'm swearing almost, which I don't ever swear. That's one of my strange things. I don't I don't know why. I just can't. <laughs> I tried to swear once when I was in grade school and I had to like push the words out, the swear words out of my mouth. It was like they didn't want to even come out of my mouth and I forced them out and it was at lunchtime and all the other kids at the lunch table looked at me like, Donna, what are you doing? You don't swear. And I was like, oh my gosh, you're so right. I don't. And it was like a relief that, okay, I'm never going to try that again. That was very awkward and uncomfortable and I didn't like it. And my friends didn't like it coming from me anyway, for whatever reason. So I I checked that off my list. Don't have to do that again. (laughs) But anyway, moving on. The next category is a loving and supportive response to my diagnosis and just the fact that I am autistic. So I've heard things like I would, I would never even know. Like, and here's the best part. How can I support you? I love when people ask me that. I haven't gotten that too often, but people who really care, <laughs> people who are really interested in knowing me better and supporting me better will ask that question. How can I support you? And I love it. It's going to make me cry. <laughs> um, I would never even know. Again, it's part of the masking, but also it's part of, um, it's a part of me slowly and kind of methodically letting people know that I'm autistic in a way that doesn't scare them away or freak them out. And I don't like, I don't lay all my cards on the table at once. That's a good way to put it. If I did, I don't know, I think that might scare people into not offering their support of me. But I think that's something that everybody does anyway. Who lays all their cards on the table right away? I mean, everybody has things to reveal to friends and and loved ones um, that you just don't do up front. So I'm no difference in that. And um, I just love the loving and supportive response. Obviously, it's my favorite. It's wonderful. And I appreciate all the people who have that just intrinsic, natural response in supporting people in that way. So thank you, all of you who do that. (laughs) If it's not intrinsic, if it's not natural for you, it's something to practice. It's a question I even have had to learn to practice. Um, Just even asking questions. How can I support you? How can I help you? How can I pray for you? And... It's a great, it's a great question. I could go on and on, but I'm going to move on. (laughs) The next category is acceptance. Just plain old acceptance doesn't need to know more. um, Because usually the people who just respond with acceptance already know me really well. And they say things like, oh yeah, that totally makes sense. Like I could totally see that. (laughs) And some of the things that they um, talk about as examples of, of how they can see why, why it makes sense is, um, 
first of all, my eye contact. <laughs> when I first learned how important eye, can eye contact is in social situations, I honed in on eye contact and I was a laser focused eye contact connoisseur. <laughs> um, I would just look into someone's eyes and lock and not deviate and stare and look into the depths of their soul. <laughs> or so I was, I've been told that that's how it feels when I have that intense level of eye contact. But that was a learning curve for me. I had to learn how to have comfortable eye contact and it's okay to look away now and then and search your brain for thoughts and information as you're engaging in a conversation. I didn't do that at first. I would just lock and stare and I, I had no thoughts because when I when I'm locked into somebody's eyes, I can't access my brain and I can't interact. So it's very intimidating for me and for them. <laughs> my friends who have seen me in that transition transition process of learning how to have normal eye contact could see that, yeah, you might have more normal eye contact now, but back then you totally did not. <laughs> and they've seen the growth process in me. They also know how I've struggled with conversation and sharing bits and pieces of myself over the years. Um, these friends who are just accepting of my diagnosis and just happy to support me just by being a friend and just by um, not even really doing anything different, just the same. That's, that's an awesome response as well. They just treat me the same as they always have. But for me, I do like to have fun with it. <laughs> Sorry, I'm getting intense. I'm leaning all into you. <laughs> I'm going to back up a little bit. They've seen the growth in my, in my ability to talk out loud and have conversations with people as I've wrapped my brain around saying what's in my brain out loud over the years. These friends who are very accepting of me have seen that growth process. And I remember very vividly when I was in the midst of it and I, I had a thought and I was thinking to myself, I should say this out loud. And then I knew because I'm such good friends with some of these people, I knew that it would freak them out. They'd be like, what, what, Donna just talked. And whoa, she said that? Like, oh, wow. <laughs> so I knew it ahead of time that some of the things that I would say would cause a very big reaction. And I likened it to the scene in, oh, what is the movie called? The, ward the Witch in the Wardrobe? Is that what it's called? <laughs> um, but the scene where the white witch freezes everybody, make, makes them into statues in her garden. And when her spell starts to be broken and the statues start to crumble and the people inside of them start to come back to life, it's, very, it's a very slow process and it's very small pieces at first. And I remember in one of the statues, the first thing that fell off was a piece covering the eye. So it was a stone statue and all you could see was one eye moving and that's it. <laughs> and I felt like I was a stone statue and that my friends just saw me as still and quiet in the room 
non-speaking, non-verbalizing, non-even body language emoting. (laughs) But when I had this thought, I was like, oh, a piece of my eye (laughs) concrete is going to fall off in this moment. Like I knew how big of that moment was about to be. And I had fun with it, <laughs> had fun with it. And then when I did say it and they reacted as big as I was expecting them to, it was fun. And I wanted to do it again and again and again. Obviously it faded over time and they would not have as big of a reaction anymore because then they began to expect it out of me. But I kind of got excited about, oh, what's another moment where I could say something and shock my friends who aren't expecting me to say anything. It was super fun. Sorry, it took me quite a while to explain that, but such a fun moment in my life. I love, I love that story. So now moving on to the abusive category. There have been people in my life who I've shared my, um, first the, the thought that I might be autistic with them and or the actual diagnosis. Yes, I have confirmed with a neuropsychologist and been diagnosed professionally that I am autistic. And both before and after response was not verbally, I don't care, but in the behavior, I don't care. And I tried to educate certain people about how they could understand me better and love me better and care for me better. But again, the response was, I don't care. I'm not interested in learning about it. I don't have time to learn about it. I don't like to read all these different reasons why they wouldn't take the effort to learn about it and in essence to learn about me and so that we can have a better relationship. So that is the hardest and was a big hurdle for me. But at the same time, it's something that has made me stronger because I know that I will encounter more people in the future that will have the same response. And it it gives me tougher skin, but it also gives me tougher preparation of thought to know how to respond, to have my own self-worth and self-confidence to overcome that response and to keep going and to just keep advocating for myself and for others, irregardless of that kind of response. And I think that's enough said about that. (laughs) The final response is a mixed response of both acceptance with an asterisk, with a caveat. So this has been from professional people I know who really understand autism, and also from friends, again, who have other family members who are autistic and actually know a lot about autism, but maybe aren't familiar with the array, the vast array of people on the spectrum. And because I, and I, I don't want to put too much emphasis on these words, but I am high functioning autistic, but that's, that's where the struggle lies. And that's why they, um, the DSM changed how they diagnose people instead of saying that someone has Asperger's. Now they just say that someone is autistic because high functioning used to be termed as Asperger's. And it's good and bad to have it all combined into one lump autism category uh, because we are all still people and we should all be still treated with love and respect and kindness no matter where we are on the spectrum. 
but at the same time, it makes people think that my, my struggles or struggles of those who are high functioning less hard. <laughs> and, um, I asked one of my doctors recently about a struggle I was having at work and asked for advice and support. And he did respond with support and help. And then at the end of the conversation, he said something along the lines of, but you're so high functioning as in, I, I don't understand why you are even struggling anyway. <laughs> and again, it's hard, it's hard just to communicate the struggle. It's hard to put words to it. And at the same time, even when I'm trying to be honest and real and authentic to people, I think I'm still so used to masking that I don't truly show my real struggles yet. I don't think I've been able to do that yet. And I think that's an epiphany I'm having right now in this moment. <clears throat> Making me a little emotional <laughs> to think about doing that more. It's hard. It's really hard to let people see the struggle because I've worked so hard to hide the struggle and to look normal and to come across as normal, neurotypical. And I think I've done too good of a job and people don't think I need support, but I do. I do. Everyone on the spectrum does. We all need different kinds of help and support on a very regular basis. And I've tried to put this into words and the biggest ongoing way I can explain it is imagine struggling on a daily basis, interacting with everyone around you, including your family and your loved ones, every single moment of every single day, and trying to adjust your brain and thought process and the words that come out of your mouth and your social, verbal, nonverbal communication to fit their neurotypical brain, what they expect and what they think is normal. It's, it's exhausting. It's emotionally taxing. And it's a struggle. I guess I... <clears throat> I'm glad to have learned this as I'm sharing with you. And it's good to unmask. It's good to be real. It's hard. It's really hard. It's hard to be real when I've tried to not be real for so long. It's okay. I need help. I'm asking for help. I'm getting help from a lot of people, and I'm so thankful for that. So many good friends, so many good family members, so many good advocates out there, so many good books, so many good speakers and podcasters. I'm so thankful for all of that. And my faith community, you all have known for so many years how important you are to me. 
you are family and I love you all. And just thank you for accepting me and loving me all these years as I've grown through all of this. Whew. So there's the five categories of responses. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.